I want to give you 10 verses today before we're seated. And if you got to sit, I totally get it. But if you can stay with me for another minute, I think it's good. We're starting a four-week series today on the letters of 1 John. And um, I thought there's just, I don't know if there's enough in there, Vincent. Until I got into it, man, did I feel dumb. This one's really speaking heavily to me. So I hope it speaks heavily to you. We're going to go four weeks. We're going to cover 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And the last week will be four, chapter 5. They're all 1st John, but chapters 1, 2, 3. The last week will be chapter 4 with a touch of 5. Vincent's going to cover week 3, chapter 3. But today we're covering chapter 1. Let's go to 1st John, chapter 1, and let's read 1 through 10. That which was from the beginning. This is John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, speaking, the one that stood at the cross when he breathed his last breath. And Jesus delegated him to be Mary's son and um, him Mary's, marry his mother in place of Jesus. That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at and our hands have touched. Remember Thomas? That, that's Jesus they're talking about. We have touched him. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. The life appeared. That's Jesus. We have seen it and testify it. And we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. That's Jesus. We proclaim to you that we have seen and so that you may also have fellowship with, with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Ouch. Can I get an amen somebody on that one? If we confess our sins, though, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Ouch. And his words are not in us. You may be seated this morning. My title today of this first week is Light witness, light witness. As I spoke a minute ago, for the next four weeks, we're going to look at this first epistle, which means letter, to the church. So to give you a little bit of uh, context here, the New Testament is the Gospels or the message while Christ was with us. And then Christ died and rose in Acts, the day of Pentecost, the church was born. That's, the, that's called the, the beginning of the church or the birth of the church. And then from then on, our letters or epistles to these new churches that were forming daily. And 1 John is, is a letter that John continued to write after his experience with Christ, as did many apostles, to other preachers. <laughs> you mean they, they got mistakes too? Pastors, oh boy, we know some bad ones out there that have messed up. Not me, of course. God willing. And just general disciples. This book was written to everyone and for everyone. And 
the rest of the New Testament is, is letters, and then it ends with Revelation, which is about how God will come back a second time and finish out the story. I like to say it that way. It's not as, it's not as creepy that way, you know? How he's going to finish the story. You know, the Bible says, if you can't walk with the footmen, you'll never run with the soldiers. Do you know what that means? That means if you wait till Revelation to get it right, you're going to be left behind because you won't be able to keep up. So if God gave you air to breathe to be in church today, God bless you for taking a step and coming to church because you, you need to walk with the footmen if you want to run with the soldiers. That's why we take this real serious, but we have fun with it because God is good. And as John wrote here, we write this because it makes our joy complete. Because as serious as the gospel is, it's also the most joyous thing you can carry with you. So there is joy in giving this life-bearing truth. But John wrote this to the newly formed church in hopes to encourage and remind them of the significance of holding with integrity. Everybody say integrity. The truth in all we do representing the name of Jesus. We claim this over our lives, and it's meant to show much like today, the presence of false information existed back then. John addresses the spirit of the Antichrist back in the first century here. And what that was is there was people out there spreading the gospel, spreading messages that were not gospel, claiming them to be gospel, that Jesus was not the Messiah, and that what he did on the cross was not, um, you know, divine. It was just some dude hanging up there. And I could go on a whole other sermon about that. We won't mention the Da Vinci Code and all that garbage. We're talking about truth here. And my Messiah rose again, and he's alive today. He didn't go have some children up in France. He had a mission at 30, and it was the last two and a half, three years, and that's it. And that's all he wrote. And he still, de he still denied all of time with, with his history-breaking records in three years. No one, you can put together every, every leader in the history of man and put them together. No one has broken the records that Jesus Christ has. I'll go get yourself uh, the Defense of the Gospel book. It's good. It'll tell you how there's over 40 authors in the Bible and, and harmonically over 15 years of writing combined of actual writing dates. No one could conflict with each other. All the way back from Moses to, to, to John and Revelation. That's impossible. But I'm not here to preach about all that. I just wanted to share that. But much like today, back then, John is addressing people who are preaching lies in the church and sending people down the wrong path because of it. And so as the church, John is saying we have integrity here to keep this truth relevant and accurate and Bible-based. Somebody says, do y'all teach the Bible? What other kind of Christian church is there? <laughs> Evidently, there's some others. If we weren't teaching God's word, I don't know what we'd be doing. We'd be having, having a party on Sunday mornings. Nobody wants to get up early to have a party unless God's in it. <laughs> and coffee, of course. Ever since the garden, the enemy has slipped in false doctrine. It started with even the tree. So it's nothing new, but they didn't have, you know, um, Snopes back then or fact checkers and fake news. They had fake news, but they had no way, no way to verify the fake news. Now we have so much fake information that we can't even fact check anything because we don't even know what we're doing. We're lost in it. It's like jumping in the ball pit at showbiz. Showbiz. What's it called? Chuck E. Cheese? Is he still around? When I was a boy, it's called showbiz, 80s, baby. Get lost in that thing. Mama, let me out of this ball pit. That's what it's like getting in God's word today without direction. 
You're lost in the showbiz ball pit, sweaty, plastic. Yeah, that didn't sound right. You know what I'm saying. You get the point. I'm going to move on from that. But much like today, the presence of false information existed back then, the teaching. And the enemy loves to deny the value of Jesus being God in the flesh and the value of what he did on the cross. His sacrificial giving on the cross changed humanity forever, and we can never forget that. You remember the Gospels each have a certain context of who they're speaking to. And John wrote the Gospel of John speaking of the God that was in the Christ. So now he is continuing to reaffirm the God that was in the Messiah, that that was God we saw, that we touched, that Thomas doubted, that he stuck his hands in his side and um, said, give me a fish sandwich, and God was hungry, and he made him a a, a Chick-fil-A fish sandwich, that's chicken, McDonald's, whatever. Jesus was hungry and said, touch me. They've been around him enough to know, and now John is continuing to reaffirm, because as much as we hear it on Sundays, what do we do? We still fall from it. We need reaffirmation. We need repetitive word preaching in our lives. That is the only way to keep from drifting, is what that tells me. I used to get frustrated as a preacher said, I already talked about that. And then I realized I talk about that on a regular basis. And that's the way it goes because we need repetition. We need to continually till the garden. If you just set up your garden once and it grew forever, wouldn't that be the greatest garden ever? But no, what do you do? Each season you go back and you till that thing, right? Because it'll get weeds again, right? It's no different with the gardens of our heart. You know, that's supposed to be where the kingdom is here on earth. So, In this first chapter of this letter, we're going to address how we are to operate in a dark world as a light witness. Are you a light witness? Are you, look to your neighbor and tell them, are you walking in light? John is really good here. He says, you can talk about it all day, but until it shows, you're in darkness. Traditional ways of thinking doesn't like that. Tradition says, if I say it, claim it, I'm done, I'm good. But John says that is not living in the light because a witness demonstrates. When I had an accident that's coming up on four years this next month and we just sold uh, old Betty the trailer back there, she'll be gone this afternoon, I had a moment because I remember the witnesses that said that guy ran the light. And I had other witnesses that said, This guy's crazy. He just crashed and almost died, and all he's talking about is how they wrecked his church stuff. I was babbling about the church stuff. My Lord, it was a lot less then. But there was a witness. When you crawled out of the thing and you see the people looking at you, they are a witness because they had a first-hand account. And John had a first-hand account. He stood at the cross with Jesus' mother, watching him breathe his last breath. Can you imagine Me neither. But when I start to doubt the gospel, and then John says he wrote enough, he he did enough to, the, the world couldn't contain all the books in his last verse, I know that John saw something firsthand. So he can tell me all day, but what he felt in the, in the present moment with him, no one can understand except John. And so John is now rehashing to the church because now the church is here taking the place. Jesus said this would happen. And he's saying, you have to remember this. You have to demonstrate this thing of being light. The light in us is to shine through us. It comes out vertical and goes out horizontal. It's secular. What comes into us from the Lord, we give out, and as we give it away, he gives us more. 
Isn't that good? You want to be blessed? Give away what you got. <laughs> Try me on it. You feel broke? Give it away. You want a, you want a surplus? Give it away. And I'm not talking about just your, your, your giving to church, but with your life to this thing called the mission of the gospel. It's so good, and I, 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 you can fact check me on that, that that's God's word, and he will overflow that without a doubt. I've seen it time and time again with my own life, and if I believe it, anybody can believe it because I can be a real cynical guy. But before you can be the light, I see the light. You have to tell me, have you seen him? Tell me, have you seen Anybody? Tell me, have you seen her? No one? Dear Lord, it's only one of the greatest R&B hits of like, what, the 70s or 60s ever? I was just talking about Jesus, though. Tell me, have you seen him? Because if you haven't seen him, you can't let him flow through you and be a light as him. So it starts with uh, the experience first. If you weren't a witness to the scene, how could you go shine something that's not in you yet? It's dark out there, John said. It's a dark world. And he says, if you do these things, that's how you know. And if you don't do these things, then maybe you haven't seen him like you think. This guy's preaching Bible at me. This is not PC. This is not the kind of church I expected. I wanted them to come and tell me how great I was. Give me my coffee and see you next week. But God said that's not, that's not accountable for me to tell you lies. That it has to be, has to be accountable. I mean, that's all good and stuff. But, but you have to know that the gospel has to be the foundation. And so, and so if we haven't seen him, we won't know the difference between light and dark. The world has asked us to allow darkness to be called light. Let that sink in. The world is pushing the church to allow darkness to become light. Anybody ever seen, like, stuff you didn't like? Maybe sinful stuff? Like, nobody's perfect. But as time goes on, the word is getting watered down to nothing. Because of false teaching. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, John says in this epistle. Lying. That's okay. Oh, they're white lies. I didn't know lies had color. Really, I didn't. Is there yellow lies? Maybe like a green lie? Um, you know. Immorality. Um, wasteful, being uh, foolishness. Reprobate minds, contaminated. Well, we watch that on TV, but it's just for entertainment. Last I checked, it's all planting something in me. So I quit watching Teen Mom a few years ago because <laughs> I didn't know what it was doing to my garden until Michelle says, you're getting weird. Don't tell anybody you watch this show. And then part two, season two. And then they had like the old school season. And then I started saying, what's wrong with me? That's before the church. Thank the Lord. God healed me of that. But we justify darkness contaminating our light. They can't coexist. What happens when you get enough darkness around light? The light needs more power, right? You know, you have wattage on your bulbs. You want to see further? You need a brighter light. But the world has taught us that it's okay that those two things commingle. And John says, no, 
It's not okay. He says it right here. He says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not have the truth. That hurts to hear. Tell me, have you seen him? Have you, have you seen him? I've seen of him. Have you touched him? Has he touched you? Is he in you? I can walk by McDonald's, but it doesn't mean I'm eating the food, you know? There's one thing to consume, and there's the one thing to be, be, you know, be walking past and be aware of. You can cruise through church if you really want to. There's churchgoers and there's evangelists. There's churchgoers and there's mission. Which do you want to be? Because one is gospel and one is not. Church was never meant to be this, and though I love this, and we are going to have a really cool, awesome, new, modern, technical church starting in just a few weeks with construction, the walls coming down to Jericho and all the stuff and lights and boom, subwoofers. Yeah, I'm all about it because I'm a tech nerd. But that is not the church. That is just a tool to congregate the church, which is the people. And the people act on behalf of the Messiah as his body, and that is what church is. And so we are to take this thing to people. And as long as we hold it, we are not acting as the body. We're not evangelizing. I used to think that was a really old person word. My dad would talk about evangelizing and all this churchy word stuff. I'm like, ooh, that's so old. And now here I am saying it because I've redefined what the, I, I understand the real definition of the word is what it was. So I had a misconception of light and darkness. I had a misconception of serving God. I had a misconception of what living for Jesus meant. And I'm not giving you a law here, people. This is still by grace that God allows any of this. But I am reaffirming what John is teaching in that we have to demonstrate what we profess. That's why we baptize. I love little kids, but they told me they just thought it. I said, no, you demonstrate it. We speak it. Because if you don't speak it, no one knows. And the devil don't know your thoughts but he don't like your words. And so if you speak it out loud, you're crushing the devil's head. So we speak it loud. And I preach that to my children. I preach that to anybody who asks. We speak it loud because we want to demonstrate our faith. And then out of the mouth, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So what we speak is what's in our heart. So if we're speaking it loud and speaking death to the devil, that means we've got a lot of God in our heart. You getting this? I feel like a preacher right now. Have you seen him? If you haven't seen him, it's like advocating advice on a situation you've never experienced. That's a new pastor's worst nightmare. You know what a new pastor does when I started? I'm four years in now. I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit familiar with this. I'm still new. I'm still growing. But, but I tried to give advice on everything that someone was hurting with. And then God says, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, that's why it's so hard to address it. So what I learned was, I can't give something that's not in me. I can't give something that I haven't been through. That's why each of you have a story. Remember, what's my story? That's because your testimony is your story, and that is your mission to give to someone. We don't go watch the pastor. The pastor leads the sheep, and the sheep go do the commission. We do it together, synergy. The output of the sum is greater than the individual parts separated. It's our vision. It's our, it's, our, it's our mission statement and our vision statement and our top ten things. Like all that matters. And so God has a testimony that you have witnessed something that you have to give away. And so that's your job. 
And that's what John's addressing here. Give away what you say is in you. And if it's not in you yet, that's okay. This is how you find out to receive him. And we're going to get there. And if you're just totally confused right now, that's okay. That's what church is for, to learn. We're teaching this stuff. Go preach and teach, baptizing in the name of. Preach and teach. If we don't teach it, we're just yelling. We got to reaffirm through teaching what we're preaching, demonstrating. Are you walking in light? How many heard old church people say, I'm just going to testify today? Anybody? Little kid, Jeffy, front row, pew, no, back row, pew, orange pews, Hot Wheels cars. Ooh, they're going to testify right now. Can I play under the pews, Mom, with my clip-on tie? We think that's standing up and talking about Jesus. Oh, no. John says if you're going to testify, that means you've been there. You better show it. And you can show it outside of Sunday. In fact, that's even better because people don't believe it unless they see it on Monday. So we got to testify what we've seen. I'm going to realign that with my own lingo. We have to demonstrate. Mike, you know the words. You step, I step. We believe it so much, we got hats made that say that. That is exactly what that's talking about. We testify by our actions. Belief in action is faith. Belief is just belief. Belief that takes action is faith. And so we demonstrate that. And when we step, God says, I'll step right to you. You bless it, I'll bless it, says the Lord. You go first. We got to testify. To witness Christ means we were there. Oh, this is another sermon. I think I preached it last year on the, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, but, but how can we witness if we weren't there like John? Through Acts, the new birth, being born again. Because once we receive the Spirit of God, this is a whole other sermon, but I just want to give you some context here that if you want to be a firsthand witness, you got to have the witness in you. The Spirit is called the witness of the text. Because he moved and did something upon, upon, upon the world, took action. So now that witness is in us, and we are to give it away. And now we were there because we've received the DNA. you got to have the DNA. Anybody can have it. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. That's the good part. I can't carry this thing. I'm way too much of a sinner. That's because it's a gift. Thank you, Lord. He said, if I ask for bread from my heavenly father, you know, how much greater will God give me who call, if I call upon him for the Holy Spirit? I like bread, but at least I don't get carb fat from the Holy Spirit. I'd rather have that gift. <laughs> Our actions, this, this is it right here. Our actions have to mirror what we say and do. They have to, they have to be honest. That's where integrity comes in. I don't know about y'all, but I don't, I don't look as preachy and spiritual outside of the, these two-hour windows sometimes. And some of y'all see me that way. But sometimes I, I, I check myself and say, are my actions aligning with what I'm telling people on Sunday morning? We all got to keep pruning the garden. But I pray that honesty and transparency is what prunes the garden in all of us. John says our actions have to match our words. And as long as you keep telling yourself you don't need fixing, you're in darkness. I'm going to go back to that. That's at the end there. Verse 6, he says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie. I hate lying. It's like, it's like one of the worst words to me. John says, I am a liar if I commingle darkness in my light witness walk. 
And he says, we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies. This is not a call to perfection. This is a call to integrity through demonstration. My outward choices are driven by my heart. So that's where God wants to change me. God doesn't want to give you the six-pack. That's why you still don't have one. Nobody, nobody wants to be fit. Everybody wants to be unhealthy in the church. Doesn't somebody want to be fit and he- healthy in the church? God cares about that. That's your temple. But that don't matter and can't survive if the heart's not right. You know? So God needs to do a spiritual thing in your heart, and the rest will follow. You've seen people try to fix the outside, but the inside's not right. Does that work? It's like a Band-Aid, right? What happens to the Band-Aid after you keep it on in the shower for like a week like my kids do? Is this card's coming off, and it's kind of all mangled and pruney looking, and then you get to see what's really down there, a cut, hurt, pain. So God wants to fix in here because that's the garden that produces the fruit for everything else in your life. That's what the enemy wants, is to trick you and have the culture soften God's word to nothing. Water it down. There is nothing worse than a watered-down cup of coffee. That's how my brother likes it. Sorry, bro. Too weak for me. Because eventually, you taste nothing. There is nothing coming out of the water. It's flat, stale water. This water is alive, living water, is holy water. And it's not holy in the, in the physical sense. It's holy by what it represents in anointing, the word of life. He is the word. John said he is the word. So this water is the only water that can replenish the heart so we can walk in light. I want to jump down to verse 9 here. This is somewhat of an expository sermon as much as I can do that without it being Ferris Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. No, but we are going to evaluate the text a little more carefully in an expository approach here. Verse 9 and 10 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. Here it is again, lying. And his word is not in us. And again, he says that again. He said that twice and he says we are not honest twice. You know the Bible repeats stuff when it's really important? You know when the Bible in the KJV says, and this? It's not because he's saying two things. He's reaffirming the first thing. Y'all didn't know that. He's reaffirming by repetition because we need it. And so the good news here is maybe you haven't gotten to this point yet where you understand what being a light is, and that's a good thing. That's why you came to church is to learn how God wants to use you And then maybe you're in a different boat where you've been a light, but you didn't realize your battery's been struggling for like the last 20 years. You need to change them things because your light's not really shining. He said, my light wasn't shining. I listened to this little light of mine. I thought that's all I had to do. That's a start. John says here that if we confess with our mouths, that's repentance. That's where we start. That's not the finish line. That's the start of the race. 
when I start through repentance, God, I'm sorry, help me purge this thing, John says he will. He'll purge it. You become prego with the word up in the womb of the spiritual belly, and eventually out of the river shall flow rivers of, out of the, out of the belly shall flow rivers of living. Y'all getting this? Am I too preachy today? Sorry, that's the Bible. I just asked God to share it the right way today, and I'm glad he is. It starts with repentance, confession, and he will forgive our sins and purify us. That's purging from all darkness. He will purge our darkness. That darkness we've been carrying around that we didn't even know about. We just found out we did that yesterday. I didn't even know I've been doing that for five years. I'm going to go ahead and ask God to purge that now. It doesn't mean it's done. He, he left you. It means now you got to purge that thing. Paul says, I die daily. I repent daily. That means it's not a one and done. If you did something wrong again, you tell God you're sorry, and he'll forgive you again. But you got to mean it in here. He will purge your darkness. And then you get rid of the darkness in you, and your light just starts getting brighter. And all of a sudden, your light's shining on people, and you didn't even plan on that. You didn't, you didn't plan on that. You didn't know the light was so strong that you couldn't even contain it. You know, you know the Bible says we're not supposed to cover our, our lamps? We're the salt of the earth. Like all these things, like it's all saying the same thing, that when it gets strong enough up in you, you can't contain it. You won't hide it because you can't. Even if you want to. My flesh says this ain't cool, but God says I'm bigger than cool. I'm going to share this word. I'm going to let them know about the church. I'm going to let them know, yeah, we're the ones with the hundred signs that drive y'all crazy. That's us. Because we want you to know that God is doing something big, special, changing the landscape of a dull light. We are to be a light witness. If y'all could stand this morning. I'm going to wrap this up. Here's the thing. You gotta, we got to fact check ourselves when we leave here today. If we are claiming that we're good, probably something's broke. You know what I do with God when I really feel exhausted from being broken? I avoid him. I don't address it. I don't pray as good. You know, I get tired of telling them the same thing. And my flesh says, well, he already knows. But you know what? You can tell him again because he wants that, he wants that open channel of communication with you and he'll purge it again. And some things are hard, hard to go, go, you know, hard to get rid of. There, there are things you've done your whole life or learned or seen and, and some of these things are just habits and it's okay that you ask God, God help me figure out a way to do this different. Maybe I spend too much money. Maybe I got credit card debt. Maybe I just learned this way. But God says, if you wanna be free from that, there's a new approach. Maybe if you, you know, if you do this different, God's gonna give you a new solution to fix the same problem so that the problem quits coming the same way. And so that's what, he does when you call on him. That's, what, that's why confession and, and repentance matters because it's not like an erase board. He's just erasing us for that week. It's like he's, he's, we're showing him that we really want change in our heart. And when he can really change our heart, the landscape of our soil starts producing something new. And that's really all it takes. That's why we call it one seed because if we can just get one seed of God in someone's heart, God will, God will water that thing into, into a, a field and we know that. 
Look around today. Look around and just realize that every person you touch, this place can multiply times 10 in two weeks. And this is not an advertisement for marketing. I'm just saying that's what one seed can do. One seed came in today and 10 could come in in two weeks because of that one seed. And all of a sudden we've multiplied. And that's how God's word is meant to spread. Isn't that good? It just takes that much seed. The faith of a mustard seed can do it. The faith of a mustard seed got this place. The faith of a mustard seed is building this place. The faith of a mustard seed, I just said it the other day, is bringing a one seed none of y'all seen yet. You're gonna be going, is this my church? Yes, it is, and just wait till you see that thing. That's the faith of a mustard seed. It will move a mountain. So God wants to move mountains in your life the same way. So that's good. He loves us more than that thing. He loves us more than that. He can take you back to that place of righteousness. Look to your neighbor and say, he can fix that. Come on, he can fix that. He's bigger than that. He wants you to shine, baby. He wants you to shine. In order for you to shine, you got to get that junk out the weeds. You got to get the weeds out of the garden. You got to shine that thing, and God's going to produce new light. Get rid of the algae and produce some new, new, new fish in that spring. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. God, we come to you now. We thank you for this letter, for John's authentic, transparent, integral word that we have to uphold this with our actions that we have to not only say it, but do it. We have to show the world who doubts your gospel that what we do is true and genuine, and that if we do it right, and we do it according to your word, that you're the real deal, baby. And we're good with that. And that's what we want, because you carry the weight. You do the rest. You root the gospel in people. I don't do it. The, the church don't do it. The church plants, and you're gonna give that increase. And we're gonna see it change. We're gonna see a community change like they've never seen. We're gonna see a community on fire for God like they've never seen. The new cool is gonna be WWJD, and nobody knows what that's about. We're gonna put TikTok out of business with the gospel and crush some devil's head. We thank you now, God. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and we worship you now to signify that we're proclaiming something out of faith, and we do it together. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen.